You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the APC podcast, Green Bay Packers talk from acmepackingcompany.com and SB Nation, still in the throes of training camp, though we're getting ready to come to a close and usher in the regular season real soon. I am Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Follow the show at the APC pod, and uh, I am joined today in a very fetching retro Milwaukee Bucks hat and drinking some scotch on camera. Bad audio for those of you not in on our two-person video chat by Tex Western. How are you, man? It's it's been a day. Yeah. <laughs> it has been a day. Uh, it's been like it's been an interesting couple days. Yeah. So, um I'm I'm trying to process a lot of what's been going on as I'm sure a lot of people out there are. Yeah. And um, you know, trying to trying to come up with uh you know, ways that I can, can contribute to, uh, to good things out there and in, in the world at this point. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Much the same. And, uh, as we record this today, as you mentioned today, it is a uh, Wednesday, August 26th and, uh, it's about eight forty PM Eastern time just to give everyone like, just like freeze frame. That's the moment that we're talking about here as text takes a nice big old sip, big old sip from that glass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a LaCroix boy today, so keeping it <laughs> keeping it booze free. Trying to uh, you know, lean down for training camp. Um but um anyway, uh real actual football is right around the corner. Um the Packers open their season at Minnesota in a little over two weeks. And before that, September 5th at 4 p.m. Eastern next Saturday, as we record this, the Packers must trim their roster down to 53 players. Um, and so ahead, we're going to do a, a training camp update, sort of focusing on some key groups, some battles. Uh, but first, we did want to hit on some newsy type items. Some of them are not good or, you know, complicated, as uh, as Tex, as you were alluding to. Firstly, um, not football. But a lot of moments this year have been bigger than football, and I wanted to touch on quickly and and get your take, Tex, on the Milwaukee Bucks players' um, decision to boycott today's playoff game uh, in response to the recent police shooting in Kenosha, uh, police shooting Jacob Blake seven times in the back, paralyzing him, uh, protests erupting there. And then today, um, an Illinois, Illinois teenager showing up to those protests with a gun killing i think two people um just an awful awful scene and text to hear the bucks organization tell it the players are fed up man yeah and and this that team in particular has taken sort of the the racial inequality the the police brutality topic very seriously over the last couple of years um you know 
with with Sterling Brown a couple of years ago, um, having the situation where you know he got into um, a situation where you know the the you know he was the victim of some police brutality. Um, I think it's you know it's certainly a topic that hits home really closely for the guys on that team for for him in particular, and um, I, I think between that the fact that it's it's the Bucks and they're you know thirty miles north or so of Kenosha, um, it's very appropriate that they were the team to kind of kick this all off today, um, you know, with with deciding not to play and and to do it the way they did and and basically you know make the decision in the locker room right before tip off to to not come out. Um, you know, it certainly brought a lot of attention on the, the topics that they want to bring attention to. And, um, you know, my, I would say my hat is off, but, but my hat is on today for, for the bucks. So I'm, you know, I, I think it's, it, I applaud what they're doing. I applaud the brewers for kind of standing in solidarity with their, you know, fellow Milwaukee, um, athletes and, and with, you know, the communities in Wisconsin, they're going through a lot of really difficult things right now. Yeah. And uh, and our uh, co-host here as well, Ben Foldy, tweeting out at Ben Foldy uh, a picture of him donning a Bucks jersey uh, today as well in solidarity. It was a wild scene, man. As you alluded to, you know, they were getting ready for tip off and the Bucks just didn't show up and then announced that they were they were boycotting the team supports them. And then um you, uh, you with the hat obviously know more about uh, the NBA than I do. Don't follow it very closely, but um, did the NBA then cancel the rest of the games for the day? Yeah. The um, f- first of all, there was a question about whether or not the Bucks would officially forfeit the game, but then the Magic, gotcha. their opponent, um, you know, officially announced that, that they would not accept a, a win by forfeit. So that left the NBA with with really the only choice to. Um, to postpone the game and and yeah the other two playoff games that were scheduled for this afternoon or this evening um you know it sounds like the the players kind of took the bucks lead and and then the league um you know followed along as well and, and postponing all those games yeah um my understanding is that the the nba has been pretty supportive of the players on, on giving them a lot of latitude to be outspoken about social and racial justice issues uh, facing our country we've seen a little bit of movement that way now from the NFL um, to turn it back to football text. Do you think that that movement is like genuine progress? Do you think it's just a reaction to the moment or is it, is it just like progress is progress? I don't know. It's messy. What do you think? Yeah, I I think we're going to learn a lot more about just how serious the NFL is about, you know, taking these, the the players concerned seriously when the games actually start. Um, you know, if another situation like this happens during the football season, you know, what are players going to do? What is the NFL going to do um, to either, you know, stand behind and support their players and their expressions and, and their, um, you know, th- them voicing their frustrations? Um, I think that's going to be the really telling factor right now without any, any preseason games or, or regular season games yet to, um, you know, to, to really have those players get that platform to, to do something and say something. Um, yeah, I think we got to wait another couple of weeks to, to really see, you know, where the, the league is going to fall on this. Yeah, indeed. Um, well, a somber and sobering note to sort of start the show, but I definitely felt it was appropriate to touch on it. You know, we stand uh, in solidarity here with the Bucks and, and to those out protesting in Kenosha, um, be careful. And um, yeah, there's no smooth transition, but uh, let's move on um, to uh, bring it more back into focus with the uh, with the Packers and football um, one more newsy item that I wanted to hit, of course, much less serious. Tex, I wanted to get your take on the uh, the new media rules 
and restrictions handed down by the Packers to the beat reporters, uh, essentially putting a stop to any reporting, tweeting, writing, et cetera, that my understanding that talks about, you know, which players are taking reps with the ones, the twos, et cetera, a few other rules too. But I, I guess the idea being that uh, this reporting could give teams a competitive advantage in terms of, I don't know, like maybe scooping up cut players or something. Tex, it feels to me like the only result here is that uh, fans have less information than they've had in in many years coming out of training camp, right? Yeah, that's pretty much the upshot of this is that, yeah, you and I no longer know if, you know, if, if an, a surprising rookie is getting run with the starters or something at this point. Um, and and yeah, it's from a fan perspective, it's frustrating because, um, you know, training camp, especially for the Packers, for for, you know, this this team and this franchise's entire history, it's been one of those great traditions of, of just openness and the team, you know, opening up practices and, and the bikes and everything. And I understand that, you know, in in the covid world, a lot of those things have to go away. But. You know, it's it is just frustrating to to have a team that for so long has been so open with with things to their fans and and to their shareholders fundamentally um, to to just suddenly kind of close things off. And and Brian Gutekunst's comments about the rationale for it, I understand it from his you know his job as the head personnel guy um, trying to put together the best roster he can. I understand where he's coming from on this that. Without any preseason games, um, teams are actually scouring, you know, other teams' beat writers for for word on on what guys are playing and what units and things. And you know, okay, there's there's I guess a little bit of information that you can can glean from that. Um, you know that that certainly in in a situation where you know guys are putting reps on tape in the preseason, um, you know, you that that's not as big a deal. Um, because everybody's kind of on that level playing field. So I, I get it from from Goody's perspective, but I'm still disappointed and I'm I'm bummed out for the sake of the fans and, and for all of us that we no longer kind of have that look at this team and, and how this team is shaping up towards you know final cuts next weekend uh, that we normally would get. Yeah. And, um, you know, we at APC rely on a lot of that reporting to give Packers fans the content that they want and I think deserve. Have you seen an impact as the managing editor on like the kind of kind of reporting that we're able to access and what we're able to say? Yeah. I mean, I I was trying to put together a 53 man roster prediction this afternoon. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, you know, I have no idea who's running with the twos on the offensive line, for example. Um you know, we don't know how a lot of these these young players are doing. You, you see a little bit of you know comments here and there if one guy makes a real flashy play, but um, but that's about it. And so you know to you know is is John Runyon you know is he playing guard? Is he playing tackle? Is he in the second team? Is he on the third team? I have no we have no clue. And and that's you know it's it's a bummer. It, it makes for you know less informed uh, analysis. Um, by those who aren't at, you know, at the field for practice and among the, you know, that select group of beat writers. Um, and, you know, it even kind of limits what they can uh, put out as far as their own speculation as well. Yeah, it's just all around a, a bummer. And and I heard um, Tom Silverstein on on their podcast talking <laughs> about he was not pulling any punches. He basically yep. said it was ridiculous and 
um, stupid and um, yeah. And that, uh, you know, the fans, it's a, you know, it's a publicly owned team and the fans, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, they're, they're, you know, the demand for the product is part of the oil that greases the wheels and they, you know, they, the fans deserve information. So um, yeah, it just kind of sucks. But um, so let's go now uh, into the meat of the show from talking about how we don't have any information to um, to making predictions and gleaning what we can from what information we do have um, and get some training camp updates. We'll talk a little offense, a little defense. But first, I wanted to start again on the offense with some uh, some comments that uh, the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, made recently. Um, the year is 2010. We're going to set the stage. The year is 2010. Here's the list of some things that happened uh, in 2010. The first iPad was released. Uber, the rideshare app, goes live. Instagram <laughs> launches in 2010. Uh, LeBron James's The Decision happened in 2010. Uh, and, of course, Packer fans will remember Aaron Rodgers had a pretty good year in 2010. Um, he... Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, made uh, mention of spotting something and undisclosed something in some 2010 film self-scouting that uh, caused him to, I guess, make some adjustments. And, and he's been pretty gangbusters in training camp since then. Uh, Tex, what's the secret sauce here that he might have uncovered? <laughs> well, I hope whatever it was, it was from the divisional game in Atlanta that, that he spotted it because that might be the best single game performance I've ever seen from a quarterback in my life. There's a uh, was it Mike was Mike Smith the uh, the coach of that team? I think so. Yeah. There's a there's an NFL films like the maybe it's like the the Super Bowl uh, you know like cut up like following the team the whole year. But there's some there's some NFL films footage from that game of Mike Smith on the sideline like halfway through and he's like, can he throw a fucking incompletion? Because I think he was like, <laughs> we've talked about it on the show before. I think he threw five incompletions the whole game, maybe like almost forty passes. <laughs> It was it was just absurd. Um, so yeah, ho hopefully it came from that game. But um, I, I'm hoping that there's something mechanical um, that that he was able to identify because the thing with Rogers these last couple of years that really I've struggled with beyond even just his decision making is it seems like you know his mechanics have always been a little wonky, right? His footwork's always been a little crazy because he's got such a ridiculous arm that he doesn't need to throw from right. you know, normal platforms that other quarterbacks do. But, you know, maybe there's something in his release or something that he saw because these last two years or so on a lot of these short to medium depth routes, his accuracy has just not been what it was. And so I'm hoping that that's something that he was able to spot and that he's having some success because, you know, he's, he's still as good a deep ball thrower as there is in the NFL. Um, talked about that in a little bit in a post yesterday on the blog, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's my hope is that there's just some little mechanical tweak, you know, like a pitcher who goes back and watches film of himself, um, and find some little, you know, little thing with his delivery. Um, my fingers are crossed that it's something, you know, that simple that, you know, he's, he's realized he, he used to do and he's not doing it anymore. And, and now that he's, you know, maybe got that dialed in that, um, that maybe that's what it is and, and that that can, you know, improve his, his performance and efficiency a little bit this season. Yeah. I, I want to talk for a bit about the role of the quarterback coach. Is it even possible 
that if it's something mechanical that it wasn't already pointed out to him by a coach at some point? Am I am I giving the quarterback coach too much credit? That's that's a good question. Um, and honestly, I mean, you know, last year, Lou Getze came back after um, a couple of years at Mississippi State. Um, you know, he was the, he was the receivers coach, I think when he was in green Bay before though. So, um, and I think Getsy was a quarterback himself and LaFleur being a quarterback, um, you know, there's a lot of guys who've played that position now on the coaching staff. So, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's something, I, I don't know, but, but maybe it's one of those where, you know, the player knows his, his own tendencies and his own, you know, you know, his, his own mechanics as well as anybody else. And just the fact that, you know, Rogers has had several different quarterbacks coaches the last couple of years who I forget who the guy even was when in McCarthy's last year, like Frank, Frank, Frank. Cignetti. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, he's had a couple of relatively forgettable guys come through the last, you know, handful of years. And, and yeah, maybe it's something where, um, you know, they didn't pick up on something and, and Rogers with the, the kind of memory and the, the analytical mind that he's got, um, he was able to, to, to grab something. That's what, that's my hope. You know, he was particularly vague when he was talking about it to, to not kind of give up whatever it was. So, you know, hopefully we'll just have to, to see, and hopefully we'll just see it in the results this year. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah, it was Frank Signetti Jr. The That's name. Right. The only reason I remember that name <laughs> is because um, that name is a running joke on the Around the NFL podcast, um, where they've created this uh, fictional private eye character <laughs> named Frank Signetti. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. All right, let's talk about the offensive line now, Tex, because um, there seems to be a battle to find the best of a good, not great bunch on the right side of the line. Rick Wagner has missed some time with an arm injury, and so we see Lane Taylor and Billy Turner delivering some positive performances there. What do you make of the competition going on on that side of the line, and how optimistic are you that the Packers have uh, who they need to be good there? Yeah, the the first part is easier to answer, right? Is um, as of right now, I mean, it looks like it's probably going to be Taylor and Turner uh, starting at guard and tackle. Um, Taylor has been um, apparently lights out in one on ones this year. Um, I guess I think he was eight no as of yesterday or something in the one on one pass rush drills, which is is great. Um, and fundamentally, I mean, he was a very good guard for a couple years there. Um, before last year when, um, you know, when, when Elton Jenkins came and kind of took his job and then he had the biceps injury and everything. So, um, I think, you know, learning a little more about that injury and just how serious it was, it seems like that was more a case of Jenkins was coming and Jenkins is really damn good. And he was going to end up starting sooner or later regardless. But, um, you know, not at the, ex- it, it, it's not like that job was just handed to him because Taylor wasn't playing well. Um, so, you know, I think of those three guys, I think Taylor at right guard is probably your, your strongest link right now. Um, and then the question is, what do you do at tackle? Um, and, and certainly Turner's a guy who's played both positions before. Um, and, and he may kind of end up getting that job by default, just depending on what happens with Wagner's injury. But between those two, um, you know, I was talking with John Meerdink at, at Acme Packing Company a little bit today about it, and both of those guys have contracts where you probably have to keep them both this year. Um, for Wagner, you definitely can't release him because um, his dead dead cap hit would be you know about as much as as his cap hit is for this season. So you're not gaining any 
um, any cap space anyway. And uh, Turner's kind of in the same boat. So I think you end up with, um, you know, day one, it's probably, you know, it's probably Taylor at right guard, Turner at right tackle with Wagner, if he's healthy, being kind of a backup swing tackle guy, Um, which isn't maybe the worst thing because then, you know, maybe that makes room for, you know, another younger offensive lineman on, on the interior, a guy like John Runyon to kind of step in for, um, you know, for like an Alex Light who hasn't particularly impressed uh, so far this season or the last yeah. couple of years. So, um, but yeah, the, the versatility certainly is a, a big factor on that line between, you know, Turner able to play with different positions. Um, Runyon probably in the same boat. Lucas Patrick can play over the, all over the interior. So the, the biggest question that I just have is, who, what does your backup tackle situation look like, especially at left tackle where, um, you know, Wagner has played the right side through his entire NFL career. Um, so uh, if, if Bakhtiari were to go down, that's a, that's a major concern. And we kind of had a little, you know, heart in our mouth moment uh, about a week ago when, when he left practice and missed a day. Yeah. Um, so thankfully he's back there, but um, yeah, asking me right now, it's, it's probably Taylor starts and, and Turner starts next to him. Um and, you know, we'll just kind of see. Hopefully Wagner can get back on the field and, and really make it a good competition at, at tackle again. Yeah, beyond that, it seems a little muddy. If only the beat writers were allowed to tell <laughs> us what they were actually seeing on the field. Well, from from everyone's like under the radar cut candidate to what you described as the strongest link at right guard, Lane Taylor, man. Good on you. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah, absolutely. And especially after taking a pay cut to to come back and, and compete for a job again. Um you know, that's, that's not an easy, easy thing to do, uh, yeah. to, to swallow a little bit of a pay cut and, and come back. But yeah, if he, if he pulls it off, um, yeah, we'll be, I'll look forward to all the stories about him and his, uh, smoked meats in the off season again next year. <laughs> oh, big same. All right. Uh, moving on text. Uh, let's move to the uh, defensive side of the ball. Last week, Justice Mosqueda and I talked a bit about inside linebackers and, and what the Packers were going to do there. Um, they lose Martinez, they gain Kirksey, uh, but other than that, it's kind of just question marks. Well, fast forward a little bit through training camp, and it's fifth round pick Kamal Martin, who appears to be making some waves. Can you talk a bit about what we've seen from him so far in camp? I mean, insofar as a, a reporter is allowed to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it at least sounds through various illusions that, that the beat writers have made that uh, Martin's been getting a lot of run with the ones at that other second linebacker spot next to Kirksey. Um, and, and I think what you're looking at is probably a two-man competition between Martin and, and Oren Burks for that spot. It sounds yeah. like they really like Ty Summers as a true Mike and is probably the backup to Kirksey. Um, and so Martin, you know, and, and Burks being, you know, pretty athletic guys in their own right, Burks especially. Um, you know, we don't know what Martin would have done as far as like combine testing and stuff because of his injury. But um, you know, it sounds like Martin's been been rangy, been been doing well in in the passing game, um, looking good in coverage. Um, and that was, that seemed like it was kind of a strength of his at, at Minnesota. Um, yeah. you know, a lot of the highlight cutups that you'd see of him were, were him making plays in the passing game. Um, maybe not so much, you know, really stepping up in, you know, into the line and shedding blockers and making you know big plays on, on the, the, on the running back. So, you know, maybe that, that does fit well. Um, and I think, you know, you guys talked about it a little bit last week, but I still, I, I always still wonder about Mike Pettin and does he play a, a safety at the linebacker position because he has to or because he wants to? And I don't 
I still don't know the answer. I think, you know, you need to, if, if the Packers really have that rangy athletic coverage linebacker, what is he going to do at that spot? Um, yeah. You know, we've been seeing Raven Green, you know, before they, before they locked down the media, um, you know, he was getting run both at some line at linebacker where he, you know, he played earlier last year um, as well as at deep safety. So it looks like they're kind of, kind of going to try to use him all over. Um, so I wouldn't be, be surprised to certainly see, still see him in there as a linebacker in, you know, real obvious passing situations, you know, your third and longs and things, but yeah. you know, the base defense is, is the question because I mean, dime was basically the Packers base last year. So, um, you know, my fingers are crossed, um, for Martin that, you know, that he works out. Um, you know, I'm still holding out a little bit of hope for, for Oren Burks, um, just given his, his general, you know, innate net athletic ability and, and, you know, he's an easy guy to root for, but, you know, he just hasn't been able to put it all together. And and if he really does get passed up by, you know, by a fifth round rookie, you know, this, this is probably the beginning of the end for him in Green Bay. Yeah. And you took a, one of my follow-up questions right out of my mouth. I was going to ask what impact would a truly trustworthy inside linebacker, um, you know, combination there have on the guys in the secondary. And it sounds like just like Justice Mosqueda last week, it's a shrug from you in terms of like not being <laughs> totally convinced you understand what defensive coordinator Mike Patton is actually trying to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if if you've got that linebacker, then you can you can play, you know, you can play a lot of three safety looks, right? You can put a guy like Darnell Savage in the slot instead of a deep safety, maybe play Raven Green deep. Um, that gives you some interesting abilities. You can, you know, drop drop Adrian Amos down into the box as a run defender. Um, there's so many different things that you can do if you've got that that linebacker and don't have to devote a um, a safety and play so light all over the place. So, um, yeah, it, it again, I I hope that that Martin you know shows out and and looks good and can be effective um, because I think that would free up some more options for Petten on the back end. Yeah. Um, and this wasn't on our little rundown, but as long as we, we touch on the secondary there, um, I, I wanted to bring up Josh Jackson's name because, mm-hmm. um, you know, after uh, I, I would think a pretty disappointing first couple of seasons, um, not the name I expected to see flying around Twitter from the beat reporters. Um, and yet it seems like he's, he's, um, making a name for himself in this training camp. Yeah. And I think you're, you're seeing the team finally just let him commit to a single position and probably one of his, you know, his best position, which is outside boundary cornerback and just mm. play, you know, give him a role that he's, he's played before that he's comfortable in. Um, and even, you know, Mike Patton even said it last, last week that last year they played him at, at slot and they played him at safety and they kind of played him all over by mainly by necessity. And it just didn't really work out for him. So, Moving back to the outside where he had really good success that that one year in college, um, and and I I noticed this you know a, a little while ago that the Packers actually moved from one of the most man coverage heavy teams in 2018 to basically middle of the pack in terms of um, how often they used man coverage versus zone last year, and so if they're using more zone that probably plays more into Jackson's strengths on the outside. Um, because he he played in a real zone heavy scheme in, at Iowa, um, where he had all that all that success. So, you know, maybe it's a case of you know getting back into some concepts he's more comfortable with at a position he's more comfortable with. Um, but yeah, it definitely sounds like he's been been having a little bit of a resurgence in camp, and hopefully, um, 
you know, he's, he's still a physical guy. He's still a, a ball hawk. Um, as long as he can, you know, learn to, to be a little more hands off. Um, I think, you know, he's got a shot at at least contributing this year. Nice. Um, let's focus on the pass rush here. And um, APC contributor Ryan, a.k.a. Archon, has a piece up on the blog right now, uh, making the case that the Packers' strong pass rush should see sustained success and carryover from last year. Uh, whether it's the Smiths or, or Kenny Clark, congrats on the contract, by the way, um, Kenny Clark. Um, do, 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 or... do, do, do. <laughs> Kenny Clark. Do, do, do. Uh, <laughs> whether it's the Smiths, Kenny Clark, or even... Um, Rashawn Gary texts, you know, we've uh, seen evidence. Have we seen evidence rather in camp that these guys are like ready to pick up where they left off and, and maybe even t- take a step forward? Or are you allowed to say? <laughs> I'm just going to keep driving that joke home. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it it looks like, um, you know, for the Smiths, it's business as usual. Um, you know, both of those guys are, are you know, appear ready to go. Um, Zedarius thankfully got back on the field this week after missing a couple of days. But um, I, Gary certainly is the wild card. Right. He's, you know, he's still the, the young, raw, athletic pass rusher. But um, it, it really struck me listening to, to Mike Smith, the outside linebackers coach, not not the same Mike Smith who coached the, the Falcons in 2010. <laughs> but um, he he and Gary like have this kind of crazy, you know, really intensely, you know, brotherly relationship where they, you know, both of them used the word love to describe their relationship with the other multiple times last week. Um, and, you know, Smith is, he, he will die on the hill that Rashawn Gary is going to be a great pass rusher in the NFL. Um, and it's, it's kind of, it was kind of fun to see that much passion out of a, an assistant coach for one of his players. Um, and, and he kind of brings that to everybody, but he's, he is all in on Rashawn Gary being not just good, but great. Um, by the time his career is over. And so, you know, you hate to pull one of those best shape of his life, you know, tropes out, especially in a guy's second (laughs) year. But, you know, everybody was saying he looks leaner. He looks a little more explosive. Um, And and all the coaches have raved about, you know, how well he prepared himself and his body over the offseason, you know, outside the building. So it sounds like he's done everything he can to to put himself in a position to really be a quality number three. And they're going to give him a lot of opportunities to to do that. Um, But, yeah, as far as the the pass rush group as a whole, um, you know, Smith was funny, too, because he he went on about a three minute rant about how judging a pass rusher based on his sacks is a crappy way to to judge a guy and you need to look at, at their pressures and their, their rate of pressure. Um, and that's one area where, you know, both of the Smiths did really well last year. Clark did well. Um, you know, Gary did pretty, pretty good in limited uh, action. And so, you know, if you, if, if you're affecting the quarterback, that's what, what Smith wants to see. And, yep. and that's kind of what, what Archon was getting at in his, his article today is, you know, a lot of these guys, the, the pressure rates have been very high and and even for for most of them the the you know the number of sacks they got relative to the number of pressures they had are are pretty sustainable numbers unlike say Blake Mer- uh, sorry Kyler Fackrell 2 years ago where he he very strongly overperformed um to get that you know 10 sacks um against just like you know 15 or 16 pressures that's that's just right. not not a a sustainable rate. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where he was getting at that, you know, the sack rate should, should be able to, to maintain based on, um, 
you know, the, the, these guys ability to get pressure on the quarterback. And, um, you know, that's a, that's going to be a huge thing for this team because obviously they, they relied on that pass rush a ton last year and, and keeping those guys healthy and fresh and rotated through, um, you know, that should keep that unit productive. Yeah. Awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how they shape up here as the Packers get ready to start the season in a couple weeks. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here. Uh, wanted to just turn to Twitter really quickly. Firstly, because PJ asked us so nicely. Um, here, here you go. Here you go, PJ. Big Bob. <laughs> I missed my opportunity in real time to play the Big Bob drop uh, last week because I didn't have my head in the game. Uh, it is simultaneously my favorite thing that I've ever created and the dumbest thing I've ever created. So, but on a on a on a serious note, Ben Saylor uh, tweets in with a question, so I thought I would uh, leave us with this text. Um, he wonders what are Bagleton's odds of making the roster. Early hype sounds positive. Yeah, I, 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 again, I was trying to go through a, a 53 man prediction today, and um, I, I couldn't find a spot for him. Um, I was trying. I, I, I was legitimately trying to see if I could find a way that the Packers can feasibly keep six wide receivers. But I think based on keeping three quarterbacks, probably four running backs um, between Jones, Jamal Williams, Dylan, and, and Tyler Irvin, um, I just don't see you know, a space for a fifth receiver or for a sixth receiver, excuse me. And unfortunately, you know, it seems like the, the top five are pretty well set. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you look at him probably as your number one guy off the practice squad, um, which I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to follow this year, because I doubt that teams are going to be poaching practice squad players or final cuts as much as they have in years past just because of the COVID situation and how difficult it is to get guys into the building um, you know, from, from signing them or claiming them off of waivers or, or what have you. So, um, yeah, if, uh, right now I don't think he's done enough to supplant a guy like Jay Kumaro as the number five, especially because the, the Packers love his, his willingness to block in the run game. So, um, you know, I, I, I like Bagleton. I, I think he brings a different skill set to, to what the Packers have with the rest of the receivers and the roster. Um, and I think, you know, there's a good chance that he could end up contributing to this team at some point in 2020. I just don't see it happening in week one. Yeah. And luckily for Packers fans, you know, the opposing teams, uh, won't have that much Intel on Bagleton. Thanks to the Packers new media policy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with that, I think that, uh, we are going to hit the polka and, uh, just call it a day that's going to do it uh, for us this week thank you Tex for joining us Um, guys please consider giving us a rating in Apple Podcasts a positive rating helps us reach more people and it makes us feel good too (laughs) and we read them all and I share them especially when they're nice and when they're bad too Uh, if Patreon is your thing you can support us there patreon.com slash note nugs every dollar helps us keep up with equipment costs and gear upgrades and other resources to help us bring you this show patreon.com slash note nugs n-o-t-e-n-u-g-s a huge thank you to all of our patrons football is right around the corner i'm working with ben and alex uh, to get our regularly scheduled shenanigans back online Uh, we got some fun things in the works for you guys this season so get excited Um, in the meantime text thank you for joining us Um, on such short notice man you have uh, any parting words here for packers fans 
no, if uh, if drinking's your thing, just try to have a drink, relax, and uh, we'll we'll hopefully try to all work through everything that's going on together, and go pack go. Damn straight. All right, everybody, keep your stick on the ice. Later. <laughs>